Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome in. It is the inaugural edition of the Beast of the East here on the Believe Podcast Network. And also coming to you, you can actually see our faces now, uh, thanks to uh, Steve Willis and Willis Digital Media, home of the Palmcast. Uh, if you haven't, uh, if you've been living under a rock in the in the Ole Miss world and you've missed it somehow, uh, he is the creator of the Palmcast and also uh, creator of SEC After Dark. So joining me, as always, my co-host, Craig Ladd. Craig, what's up, man? Not much, Corey. Excited uh, on this inaugural edition of uh, the Beast of the East and uh, looking to get into in-depth with all these teams from the East. Is hey, You know what? We have football right around the corner. Yeah, absolutely. SEC Media Days is upon us uh, next week on the 19th, and uh, there's going to be a lot of great storylines leading into SEC Media Days. Uh, But, yeah, I I wanted to, you know, when I was thinking about rebranding, you know, coming from coaching chatter uh, over to, uh, you know, trying to to brainstorm different ideas, you know, I I wanted something that wasn't going to be redundant with SEC After Dark. I wanted something that was going to kind of feed into it uh, because I know I was going to do that project with Steve, and I knew we were going to kind of have this partnership on the video side of it. And, you know, I, I thought, hey, why not go in-depth on the on the Eastern Division because you're a Tennessee guy, I'm a Georgia guy, and so that's where our focus is most of the time anyway. So uh, I, I'm excited, man. I'm excited to be here. Uh, of course, we are presented by betonline.ag. And as you guessed it, the NBA Finals is going as advertised. Man, it is uh, – it's heating up, man. And – uh you know, the Bucks just tied it up, and, you know, I, I might, you know, Craig, for the first time, actually it wouldn't be the first time, it'd be the second time, but it'd be the first time I bet on playoff basketball. But I, I might jump in on some of this uh, NBA action. What, what, what do you think? I, I'm more of a baseball guy, so I, I'm, I'm more into the baseball. Uh, not going to bet on the All-Star game, though, because that's <laughs> nothing but a scrimmage. But uh, the second half, I've got, I've got my eye on some teams. I definitely will uh, lay some swag on them. Well, don't bet on the Braves because Ronald Acuna is out for the year with his uh, torn ACL. And and if you had to bet online, I'm sure earlier you could have found some props on home run derby. Uh, that would have been kind of interesting to bet on. So um, what you need to do is you you need to visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before that next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head over to Bet Online and start playing today. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, want to kind of want to kind of reset um, our brand again. We, we said we're BC the East. We're going an in-depth look um, at the Eastern Division. Some of the topics, as you can see, right down below. Uh, we're going to talk about some main storylines with each team. You know, the, the the big story with the Eastern Division is uh, right now is, you know, it's Georgia and everybody else. Is is there anybody that can catch Georgia? There's some certainly some intriguing teams laying in the, in the weeds. We're going to talk about that. And then some surprises, some things that you're looking at or predicting that could surprise you good, bad, or even ugly uh, within uh, within the East uh, you can find me uh, everywhere you can find me. You can find me at the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast, uh, at Believe in Dogs on Twitter. You can find that show at Coach Burton 36, as you see right above. Um, you can find Craig at D Craig Lad, which is actually right above your head. Craig, anywhere else we can find you? Uh, no, that's the best place. Good deal. Good deal. So, um, want to give one last shout out, uh, and I'm going to reach out to Kenny Salas and see if he wants to uh, renew for a whole new package of uh, of shows. But uh, Keller Williams Realty, 
uh, in Wilson County. The hometown team is uh, phenomenal. They've got a lot of great things on the market. Uh, they do a phenomenal job out there in Wilson County, uh, the Lebanon area. And uh, if you need a home in that general vicinity, Kenny Salas, Kelly Salas, those are the people uh, that'll get you right. Um, visit hometownteam615.com and they will they will do it right for you and they'll get you set up with the home that you desire. So check them out. They have a lot of good uh, drawings. I, I, I entered one one time for a Blackstone Grill which is that griddle top grill. So they have legit prizes. And and I think I saw a big green egg one time they were giving away. So uh, no, no, no shortage of uh, quality of prizes. So check them out. Craig, you want to get into it? Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. So we want to talk about some, uh, you know, some storylines. We're going to go team by team and kind of just give our brief 30,000 foot view. Uh, and, and what this is going to do, Craig is set up, uh, the, the rest of the summer leading into the season where we will do a full devoted show to each team uh, as, as we move forward. So that'll be seven, seven preview shows uh, leading up to, to the first game. So, and then any storylines that we, that we have or any special guests that we, that we want to bring on preseason, uh, that would be great. And then we'll set up for the season where we'll just be reacting and and uh, analyzing and all that good stuff. So uh, let's start. I have it pulled up. Um, let's start with the Kentucky Wildcats. So let, let's go random here. Um, when, when you think of Kentucky, all right, their 2020 record in the 10-game SEC schedule, they were 5-6 and six, uh, overall. Uh, Mark Stoops is heading into his ninth year. He's one game shy of 500 at 49 and 50. Uh, they made a bunch of changes in the offseason, overhauled their offensive staff, and uh, got a brand new uh, philosophy, brand new identity, which was badly needed. Uh, and they're always good on defense. So when, initially, when you think of Kentucky, the Kentucky Wildcats, what's the first thing that jumps into your mind? Well, Corey, I, I think like uh, many teams in the East, uh, besides Georgia, they're unsettled at quarterback. Uh, who's going to be the quarterback? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be Joy Gatewood? Is it going to be Bo Allen? Is it going to be the transfer Will Evans? Uh, that's the big question. And like I said, like many teams in the East, they they have the same problem. Now, I really love the running back coming back, Chris Rodriguez. He rushed for. 785 yards, 11 touchdowns. So uh, he's going to have to shoulder a lot of the load because you're going to have uh, a green quarterback, even though Gatewood played a good bit, but he's still not a proven commodity there. Right. And uh, that's always a that's always a concerning thing because, you know, you, you have to figure out that quarterback position. And that's been something that's played them plagued them, I should say, uh, over the course of the year. But, you know, then again, they're going to have a legitimate offensive philosophy. So, you know, it's going to be kind of who fits right into that. Is, is Joey Gatewood the guy? You know, he, he didn't work out for him at Auburn. Uh, had a kind of a disaster of it last year, but some of that might have been uh, what was going on with Eddie Grant and that coaching staff. So, I mean, I, I think Joey Gatewood has the talent. I, I think he's the guy that could be that should be the guy that that runs away with the job. But Bo Allen is, you know, he's a tough out. He, he's somebody that get, that can do something special for the Wildcats. So, I'm looking forward to seeing, like you, who who wins this quarterback battle. And that's going to determine a lot of things when you look at their offense. And no doubt, you know, uh, they return a, a good wide receiver in Josh Ali. Uh, he had 54 receptions last year, 473 yards. Three starters on uh, on the offensive line. But as you said, I, I mean, you, really you could make the case, one of the reasons why uh, – I'll say one of the reasons, not the reason why – Georgia is the prohibited favorite is because they have a proven quarterback coming back. JT that helps. Yeah, as there's no doubt about that, it. JT Daniels. That helps. Back. And really, there is no other team in the East that can claim that. Now, uh, you know, uh, there's some guys coming back, but nowhere near the uh, pedigree accolades that, that Daniels has uh, after his four starts last year. And we'll, we'll we'll get into that in just a little bit. Uh, but when you look at Kentucky's defense, um, you know they they have a, a a linebacking core that has a lot to replace. Uh, they have a first round draft pick in uh, 
Jamin Davis, Jamon Davis, and uh, a hybrid pass rusher, Boogie Watson. Um, they, they have some things to re- uh, replace also um, in the D line. But DeAndre Squares, uh, he's somebody that that jumps out. Uh, Jordan Wright is somebody who made 45 tackles on the outside in the linebacking core. Uh, you have a transfer from Ole Miss, Chalkwest Jones. He's a he knows the league. He's you know he he's a player that could step in and and, and kind of contribute for Mark Stoops. Uh, the defensive line uh, they lost Quentin Bohanna, um, but you know you have Marquan McCall who's almost 400 pounds. He's a couple of biscuits away from that. He's somebody that could bolster the defensive line. Somebody that could be that run stuffer in the middle that that creates all these double teams that allows the linebackers to to really move. Uh, and then then you look at the secondary, Kelvin Joseph. And Brandon Eccles got uh, both to the NFL, uh, but you have guys like Tyrell Asian, uh, Asian, I think these names are killing me, uh, and Yusef Corker, um, a couple guys that got to really stand out. Uh, eventually, I'll be able to get their names right. Uh, they make enough plays, I'll, I'll get their names right. But um, you know what, what? You know, Kentucky's defense is usually the the mainstay of their team. What stands out to you about their defense? Well, it, the thing that stands out to me is they lost a lot. Uh, from mm-hmm. that uh, squad last year. And you mentioned both of the guys, the, their top two uh, returning starters, uh, Corker and Square, finished second and third, respectively, in, in tackles. But they lost uh, Bohannon up front, the big defensive tackle, who was just a uh, – he was very solid, uh, tough to move out of there, was really key to their run defense. So they have a lot to replace defensively. No doubt, and you know Mark Stoops is somebody that can that can develop some talent. So I'm not really overly concerned about that. So it'll be interesting. A lot of people have them picking, or a lot of people are picking them second in the East. I don't really buy it because of the quarterback uh, situation there, um, but I, I think they're going to be certainly a team that's going to be difficult to deal with down the stretch, or so, certainly difficult to deal with throughout the course of the season, especially at home. Uh, for whatever reason, the big grocery bag Kroger Field is very, very, very difficult to handle. So, um, you mentioned JT Daniels and the, and the pedigree that he brings. Uh, you look at the Georgia Bulldogs; they are the unanimous favorite to win this division, to win this conference, and some people are picking them to win the whole thing. So, when you look at Georgia, obviously JT Daniels is, is the name that stands out. But you look at some of the other playmakers. Eric Gilbert comes in from LSU uh, to kind of help bolster that receiving core. You have Zamir White, James Cook at running back. You have Jamari Sawyer leading the leading the charge at on, on the offensive line. You have DeAndre Washington um, or Darnell Washington, I should say. DeAndre Washington is a former Texas Tech running back. But no, you have uh, Darnell Washington at tight end. Uh, you know the 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 biggest story coming into this is how they're going to replace George Pickens. Um, they're going to do it by committee, I think, um, Craig. And and this this offense is expected to be explosive. I think it's going to be explosive. You know, Steve uh, last week on the uh, SEC After Dark asked that uh, asked if uh, Kirby was going to take his take his mitts off the offense. I said yes, Craig. Where do you stand on that? Well, I think he should, uh, Corey. You know, Daniels is one. He proved himself uh, to be uh, a star in the making. Uh, In those four games that he started, he passed for 1,231 yards and 10 touchdowns. The offense was much better with him there. The running game seemed to open up. You know, they, they posted 332 yards on the ground, also 316 yards on the ground against uh, South Carolina and Missouri, respectively. So he really opened up the ground game for them. Uh, Zamir White is extremely talented. And, you know, Cook is is a really good compliment to him. Uh, so oh, yeah. they're going to be very, very talented in the backfield. Uh, you know, it hurts losing Pickens. The guy is NFL caliber player. Uh, but, you know, you get Kyrus Jackson coming back who had 36 catches for 514 yards last year. And, and you know, I, I thoroughly expect Gilbert to be lined up outside and have Washington at tight end. Uh, I, I expect to see that it, for them. They're, you know, they're going to be – they're a little depleted uh, at wide receiver. Gilbert is enough of an athlete that he can go, he can be out wide. Uh, and so 
uh, he's going to be hard to handle out there for a DB or safety. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you know, that they, they have uh, uh, Jermaine Burton, Arian Smith, who was, uh, I think he qualified second or third in the, in the track finals in the 100 meter uh, with a 10.3. Uh, just behind Matt, Matthew Bowling, uh, who I think finished first, uh, they have Mar- uh, Marcus Jack Saint, R- Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint. I always get his name wrong because it's that long hyphenated one. Um, he's somebody that suffered a brutal injury in the Florida game, uh, so they have a lot of guys. Obviously, they're all unproven. Jermaine Burton is, is the name that I keep hearing that stands out amongst that group, but they're going to have to lean on a little bit on their running backs. They're going to have to get really creative with James Cook. I think that's going to be kind of the X factor. What can he do uh, in this offense? Because you know what Samir White's going to give you. You know what, you know, you know what Darnell Washington is going to give you. You know what some of these receivers are going to give you. The the true X factor is going to be the number two, number three running backs. How do they factor into the game plan? What what damage can they do? Kendall Milton is a name as a sleeper. Uh, to to watch out for. He's somebody that can emerge at the top of that pile. He's somebody that can get a hot hand real quick. But when you look at Georgia's defense, actually, you know what? I'm going to rewind that, Craig. Let's take a look at the offensive line. Uh, That's the biggest question mark on on this offense to me is how are you going to replace Ben Cleveland, Trey Hill, you know, you're, you're shuffling some guys around. You're going to have some inexperience at the tackle spots. Uh, you're going to have some some guys, you know, maybe playing out of position. You're going to have Sawyer coming down to play guard, uh, and, and they return a veteran Justin Schaefer. They're going to have a new center. How does that all work? Uh, Matt Luke is, is somebody that's re- not only recruited well, uh, but he's somebody that has been able to uh, – He's been able to develop those guys and get them to play as a fairly cohesive unit. They're going to have to really be cohesive really quick because the first game is against some team from the ACC. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, Clemson. So what 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 about this offensive line? You know what what do they have to do? Like what what are you going to what do you want to see out of this group uh, in in game one? But you know I mentioned that you know they post over 300 yards rushing against uh, South Carolina Missouri. But I also can look at this. We only had eight yards rushing against Mississippi State and 45 against Cincinnati. So, you know, they're a little up and down as far as the run blocking goes. So you're mm-hmm. right. That is a little bit of a question mark. And, you know, you got to have that balance. That's critical uh, for them. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, as I said, with when Daniels came in, the running game improved. But it was a little, it was a little up and down the entire year. Um, you know, uh, besides those uh, two three hundred yard uh, rushing efforts, you know, like I said, eight yards and forty five yards against Mississippi State and Cincinnati, respectively, is not very good. Even though they won both those games, um, you, you got to do better than that. Yeah, no doubt, absolutely, you have to get to be more consistent. And I think they're going to have some more athletic guys at tackles, even though they're not as, quite as experienced. You have Amarius Mims, who was a very heralded five-star recruit. Tennessee almost got him, actually. Uh, so you you got you to gotta kind of look at it and say, okay, there's going to be some growing pains. And JT Daniels is going to have to adjust his game and his pocket presence a little bit to kind of help those guys out. And these running backs are going to have to help these guys out as well. And, and of course, Todd Monkey, this play calling, is going to have to kind of get more more creative uh, to, to make sure that these guys can, can be in positions of success. So uh, switching over to the defensive side of the ball, Craig, uh, you know, obviously Jordan Davis and Adam Anderson are two names that, that are standing out for, uh, for Georgia. But, you know, you look at the secondary coming into the spring, you're thinking, oh, wow, got to replace Richard LeCount. Got to replace all these corners that went to the NFL, Tyson Campbell and Eric Stokes, and then you lose a couple of guys to transfers. The all of a sudden, your secondary is kind of a crapshoot. Well, in steps Deeran Kendrick, in steps Tyke Smith, in steps Brandon Turnage, and then obviously he steps right back out. Uh, but you know, you, you look at some of these transfers that bring that that come in uh, to add to. You know, obviously, Jalen Kimber, Keely Ringo, Chris Smith, um, Latavius Brini, some of the guys that got some work down the stretch. What kind of stands out to you about this defense? Are, are they going to be okay in the secondary? I think so. Uh, you know, they are stout 
in the middle. Corey, you, you mentioned Jordan Davis, Devontae mm-hmm. Wynn, Jalen Carter. Man, those guys are all NFL caliber players, NFL. Absolutely. Side, and it, you just don't move them, as proven by the fact that they only allowed uh, 72.8 yards per rushing last year uh, and a minuscule 2.4 yards per carry. I mean, you take away that Alabama and Florida game, you take away those Alabama-Florida games, their defense was eye-popping. Uh, and, and, you know, those linebackers you mentioned, and Anderson, the Kobe Dean, Nolan Smith is, is I'm telling you, is a, is a, is a stud. He, he is going to be really, really good. You're really, he's going to be a household name in the SEC this season. Absolutely, and I'm excited about this linebacking core. Uh, they are just a, they're they're fighting for number one unit on that defense with the with the defensive line, and uh, our our guy from from Lebanon, uh, Zion Logue, is uh, he's going to be a rotational guy. I've, I've kind of seen some some great things out of him. He had a really good spring, so he's going to kind of make some noise as well. So uh, the Bulldogs are obviously the unanimous favorite. Uh, a team that's really struggling. We're, we're going to talk about your Vols here. Uh, it. You know, brand new head coach Josh Heupel has already made some moves. Uh, Caden Salter, of course, uh, is transferring to Liberty after being dismissed. Uh, but this quarterback position is going to be something that's interesting. But one of the things I will say about Josh Heupel is the football games at Tennessee will not be boring. I guarantee you that. Um, they're going to be fast-paced, up-tempo. You're, you're going to have to look at your program several times to figure out who the heck is playing. But it's going to be an exciting brand of football, and I, I think they'll get on their feet really, really quick. But, but Craig, what, what what do you make of this quarterback situation? Well, Corey, there's all you know. Uh, it's wide open. Uh, obviously, you know uh, they've got a couple of transfers in there. Um, the latest one being Joe Milton from Michigan. Um, you got Bailey, Harrison Bailey coming back. He played a decent amount last year. And then also, um, uh, you know, Brian Maurer uh, also coming in. So uh, he's played some. But, uh, again, as I said before, uh, lots of question marks at the quarterback position in the East besides Georgia. And Tennessee, obviously, is one of those teams. Um, uh, I think Tennessee, I agree with you, they're going to be exciting to watch. Um, and I think the fan base, let's say they finish below 500, which I expect them to do. If they're an exciting brand of team, exciting team, up and down the field, scoring a lot, you know, et cetera, et cetera, then I think the fan base is going to be okay with that. They're going to expect uh, them to not be very good, just coming off of, uh, you know, the poorest year that they had last year. So, uh, uh you know, so many holes, though. I mean, they lost so much. Uh, the running back positions uh, also up in the air. Um, so it, it's really offense. Uh, but, you know, you got to have playmakers, and right now they are lacking playmakers. Yeah, they. it's, it's going to be, uh, like I said, you're going to be thumbing through your program to see, okay, who's this guy? Where's he from? Why haven't I ever heard of them? You know, it's going to be kind of one of those scenarios. But, you know, my prediction of the quarterback position, I know I said uh, in previous shows that we've done on, on that when we were still coaching chatter that I thought Harrison Bailey was going to come out of that pile uh, just because he's been in Knoxville. He's, but the, the more I kind of think about it, the more I kind of evaluate it, I, I think Hendon Hooker is going to be your guy. Uh, he's just too dynamic of a playmaker. Uh, somebody uh, it kind of reminds me a little bit of you know what what uh, Mackenzie Milton was uh, for for Josh Heupel before he got hurt. Just kind of that guy that can do everything and and hurt you in multiple different ways. He's somebody that can make a a, a decent offensive line look better than it is. He's somebody that can add a dimension to the run game where you don't have one. And I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how well he's going to do making these receivers look good. That's going to be a tall order for anybody. It doesn't matter if it was Tom Brady or or me. Um, these receivers are going to struggle no matter what. But, you know, when you look at this defense, Alex Golsch comes comes over um, as defensive coordinator. Uh, he's got a lot of work to do. They allowed 407 yards and 30 points per game uh, last year. Obviously, new coaching staff. We don't really know um, where uh, where those numbers will end up. 
but you have to think with the style of offense they're going to play, this team is going to be out there a lot. Um, you know, you lose Henry 2020 um, to Alabama. You know, the rich get richer in that regard. Um, Quaterius Crouch is now at Michigan State. DeAndre Johnson is a Miami Hurricane. Uh, and I think everyone on the defense has transferred, uh, but they got Jawan Mitchell from Texas to help on the inside. Jeremy Banks um, is, is also somebody. Uh, he's their team's leading leading linebacker with tw- he came he comes back with twenty eight tackles. It's kind of sad. Uh, the defensive line is going to be disruptive. Uh, they they typically always are. Uh, Elijah Simmons, the uh, the uh, the the big. The big 320-pound nose tackle from Pearl Cone right up here in Nashville. He uh, he returned to that defensive line. He's going to do some things. And Aubrey Solomon uh, coming over from Michigan and Jim uh, from under Jim Harbaugh's nose. Uh, he comes down to Tennessee. Uh, he looks to add some depth on that defensive line. If there's anywhere on this defensive uh, defensive unit that that you can build from, the defensive line is a great place to start. I agree with you, Corey. Uh, you know, I think both sides of the line of scrimmage will be the strength for Tennessee, if you can say that's a strength, uh, to be quite honest. That's with you. A- but they do have experience on both sides of the ball uh, along the interior line. As you said before, uh, it's going to be extremely interesting at the linebacker position uh, because obviously those guys uh, up front, their their jobs are to keep those linemen off the linebackers, but if those guys can't get in position to make tackles, it's not going to matter. Um, yeah. They have a few players coming back on on defense, Alante Taylor being one of those at cornerback. So it's not barren when it comes to that. But, again, uh, you wonder how much, uh, you know, uh, Tim Banks is going to be able to, to get this team to play well. Um, his first year as a defensive coordinator – uh, so it it will be very interesting to see. You know, Tennessee is just really, I mean, it's it, it's just your guess is as good as mine type team. I mean, you just don't know what you're going to get out of them at this point. Um, I've liked what I have uh, seen from Heupel so far. Um, I was on a Zoom call with him with the Tennessee Football Coaches Association. I was very impressed by him. Uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, Nicole, uh, his presentation I thought was very thorough, very informative. Um, I think you know it's gonna it's gonna take time. I mean, it's just all, the main thing it is, and you know, fans are barking right now because they're they're not you know they're not they're not getting the quote unquote big name commitments so far. And to be quite honest, I don't know what you expect coming off of. Give it time. Season you had last year, and you have the uh, impending NCAA uh, sanctions coming down. I mean, I I don't know what you expect, to be quite honest. I mean, you know, as I said before, you know, if I'm a top-notch player out of the state of Tennessee and and I aspire to be in the NFL, you know, I've got to think about whether or not I'm going to go to Tennessee or not. I mean, you got to think about the next level. you got to think about – your future, uh, and let your heart not make your decision, let your brain make it. And, you know, there are many, many question marks with the University of Tennessee right now. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, for them, just be competitive. Just put a good brand of football out there. Recruit the best that you possibly can and just let Josh Heupel do his thing. Be patient because he's a good coach. He's proven that, right? Um, and and he's, he's, not only, he's not only taken – uh, Scott Frost's team and 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 maintain the level of play. He's elevated it there to where UCF is now somebody that is with this expanded playoff that's pending. Uh, there's somebody that is thinking they're going to be in that all the time. So Josh Heupel kind of took it and elevated it, and you see what Scott Frost is doing over at Nebraska. He's He's a, he's a banana peel away from getting fired. So uh, just be competitive. Tennessee fans, just be patient. I know that's a difficult thing to say. Easier said than done. It's a difficult thing to do, but it will pay off. I promise you. This is. I think this is the right hire for for them. Uh, and and I think they're gonna. I think you're gonna see that he's gonna be exciting. He's gonna be competitive. I, I was on that same call. Um, I, I'm kind of. I'm kind of buying what what he's selling. 
they're just so far down in the dumpster right now that it's going to take a minute to climb out, but they will. They'll be just fine. Uh, another team that uh, is just fine. Uh, actually, they're they're actually pretty good or really good. They're the defending East champions, the Florida Gators. Uh, they finished eight and all eight and four overall. They had a disastrous finish to the season, uh, losing to LSU, losing to Bama, and then getting absolutely skull drug against Oklahoma. This is a family show. I'd say something else. Um, it was a disaster to say the least. Uh, they lose Kyle Trask. They lose Kadarius Tony. They lose Kyle Pitts. They lose Trevon Grimes. Um, I don't know who else they lost, but I'm sure they lost them. Uh, so they lost the, their entire offensive production. Uh, in steps Emory Jones. Um, he's a he's an interesting style of quarterback. I, I debated this on my Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast uh, last week, or actually my last episode. Uh, I was I, I went solo. Talked about him uh, versus uh, JT Daniels and kind of where they where they stacked up with each other. Emory Jones is getting a lot of love at the quarterback position. Uh, Craig, do you think? And 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 Steve and I debate, debated this actually. Do you think that Dan Mullen is going to try to do the same stuff that he did with Kyle Trask, or are you going to see more an offense more geared towards what he did with uh, his his quarterbacks down at Mississippi State with uh, Chris Ralph, Nick Fitzgerald, Dak Prescott, those guys? I think you're going to see an offense that's going to be similar to when. Uh, Mr. Tebow was there uh, because Emory is that type of quarterback. Uh, he is a bruiser. Uh, he can really run. He averaged, uh, I think, over six yards a carry last year in limited carries, obviously, but did get pretty good bit of playing time last year. Uh, so mm-hmm. I see a similar type offense uh, to when Tebow was there. Uh, I think he's going to be running the ball a good bit. And as I said, that type of quarterback – uh, was very used very effectively when Mullen was at Mississippi State. Yeah, I mean, I I think so. I think you're going to see a lot of uh, you know, he's obviously a dangerous runner. He's going to have to he's going to have to be a better passer um, if if they're going to think about contending in the East. You know, they've got talent, so they're always a contender. But I, I just think to me, they take too big of a step back. I mean, you lose that much firepower you can only take a step back because they haven't recruited a bunch of five-stars coming in behind them. I mean, they have Jacob Copeland, Copeland uh, and they have Xavier Henderson, but outside of that, it's kind of a mystery where, you know, you have Kim Ward Gamble, you have Keon Zipper, you have, you know, a bunch of different things, but, you know, and you have a running r- rushing attack that really kind of hasn't got off the ground since Dan Mullen's been there. And and they've had some pretty good running backs, but they just haven't really been able to do a whole lot with them, uh, production wise. For for whatever reason, uh, they're going to have to get a little bit more balance in their offense if they're going to be successful. Whether you know he with Kyle Trask, obviously it was really heavily driven in the passing game. With Emory Jones, obviously it's going to be back the other way. So they're going to have to try to find that balance um, offensively if they're going to if they're going to do it. But they're um, they have three starters back on the offensive line. Um, they are uh, th- they're going to be good on the offensive line, but are they going to be great? I don't know. There's a lot of question marks on this offense. That's got me concerned. Um, you know, and I, I think that you know they're in a competition for that second spot. Obviously, uh, they're, they're defending champions. They you know they, they better be in that they better be in that conversation. But I just don't think they have enough firepower offensively to really keep up with a lot of these teams. No, I agree with you. There, there are numerous question marks with this team, not only at quarterback, but at wideout, uh, at running back, and along the offensive line. You know, you got Damian Pierce coming back. He was their uh, leading returning rusher with 503 yards. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, arguably, they had a top five transfer come in. Uh, could be the number one guy, depending on who you talk to, Demarcus Bowman. Mm-hmm. Who, from Clemson, who's a former five-star recruit. Uh, yeah, sure they're going to they're going to give him some. They're they're going to want him to play and, and show off his talent. But you're right, Corey. I mean, when you lose uh, what they lost in Trash Pitts, Tony, and Grimes, I mean that is that is tough, tough, tough to overcome. You know, uh, there's only yeah. one team in the conference that can overcome that. 
and they're in the West. And they're in yes, exactly. And they're the defense exactly champions. Right. Not, yeah. I don't know of any other team in the SEC that can overcome those kind of losses. Right. And even even it's even going to be a challenge for Bama. So I, I can only imagine what it's going to be like for Florida. So uh defensively, uh, you know, a lot of talent. Um, but when you have Todd Grantham calling shots, you know, third and Grantham and and the shouting matches that him and Dan Mullen get into uh, on the sideline doesn't help too 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 well. And you know, I think the first sign of trouble, you could see Todd Grantham out the door. So uh, this defense, what what stands out to you about that? I mean, Brenton Cox is somebody uh, that that I really like. He's a 250-pound hybrid on, on, on the outside. He's kind of that mold of the Adam Anderson-type role that that a lot of these teams are going to. He's a former uh, Georgia player. Uh, I like Zachary Carter as well. Uh, he's somebody that can uh, that can play all over the place in a bunch of different situations. I like Ventrell Miller, uh, Muhammad Dubati, Amari Bernie. Uh, as well, uh, I like in the secondary. I, I really like um, Kalir Elam. Uh, he's a good corner, big physical guy, 6'2", 195 pounds there. Uh, I think this defense is not going to be void of talent. It's just going to be putting it together uh, and, and, and you know, playing with your backs against the wall. And I think this offense is not going to do them any favors by putting them in, in some in some bad situations. So uh, this defense is going to have to kind of carry this team. I think they had the ability to. I'm just, again, I'm not so sure with the leadership uh, on this defensive unit that they can. And, I, and and a lot of it is, I don't think Todd Grantham is a bad coach. I just think when you, when you get an NFL guy in college, and he's been in college for a while, still hasn't really figured out that your playbook can't be two miles th- thick um, because you just don't have the time for these kids to learn it. So that concerns me, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe, maybe you see it differently, Craig. I don't know. I, I just, you know, this defense is going to be good, but I think there's going to be some holes and I think there's going to be some opportunities to score on these guys. To be quite honest, I'm surprised Grantham retained his job. That That's the first surprise in that for me. I, I thought for sure yeah. he would be gone. Uh, you know, these numbers right here, if you don't know, the SEC and don't know who posted these numbers, 170 yards uh, per game rushing allowed, 428 total yards per game allowed, and 31 points per game allowed. That is not Florida. If you told me at the beginning of the year that would be the numbers for Florida's defense, I you'd have had everything I owned. There is no way I would have thought that. But they were horrible. And, you know, yes, they were. Uh, I do like the trio of linebackers that you mentioned in, in Miller and Cox and uh, Diabate. Um, but I tell you, Corey, um, I just don't think they're going to be able to turn around that quickly uh, and, and be able to improve in a significant amount, uh, significantly. When it comes to the, the the terrible numbers that they allowed last last year, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm 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 with you right there. So uh, this is going to be an interesting year for Florida. You know, it could. I mean, it, and you could, the same is true for any team in the country. But I, I think this is going to be kind of one of those things where it's either going to be they're going to be right there neck and neck with Georgia, and the cocktail party is going to be for the division, or they're going to come into the cocktail party with four losses, and they're looking they're they're looking to put Mullen's head on the chopping block. Um, and, and so it could go one of two ways. I mean, their team that's very streaky, they get hot and, and do their thing. But you know, I, I think it's going to be closer to the latter. It's going to be a tough year in Gainesville. Uh, unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of changes. I don't know that Mullen's going to get fired, but there's going to be a lot of changes. That's for sure. There's going to be a lot of staff shakeup. I think so. Let me, ask you staff we go. Let me ask you this before you go. If, if you're a Florida okay. fan, and I pose this question to you, uh, have you been happy with Dan Mullen as your coach? Yes or no? Have I been, have I been happy with Mullen as my coach? Yes. As a Florida fan, yes. Okay. Um, I, think I, that's, think, I think that's a 50-50, though. Yeah, I, I, I think overall – they are uh, because they still see him. I, I don't know. They they still kind of he's still kind of in that honeymoon phase. You know, you, you get Kyle Trask, who was 
you know, in the Heisman race, you had that season last year, I think bought him a little bit of, of leeway. I think coming into that season, you would have probably got a few, you would probably got a vast majority saying no, but he's definitely been the best since urban Myers left. Uh, they've had, um, you know, I, I think he's somebody that can be really, really good. He's just got to recruit better. But, you know, society is, is what have you done for me lately? And they're lately of Alabama and Oklahoma is not good. No, I mean, they had a, they had a really good game against Alabama, I guess, if you, if you believe in, in moral victories. But um, I don't know. I, I, there, there's probably – you're probably right. There's probably 50% of people that, that are in uh, – that, that hold Dan Mullen in a, in a positive light. Um, he's kind of their Mark Richt, I think. You know, really good. Uh, you know, but he, he's gonna he's gonna disappoint you a little bit some too. Um, you know, when you get in some of these situations. So, yeah, I, I think he's. I don't know. It, it's it's a weird scenario. I think ult, I think ultimately they are happy with him um, as of right now. That could change very rapidly. This year will be the year. This will be a swing year for for Dan. It's a very important, very very important season for Dan Mullen. But preseason, there's a lot of preseason hype around this team, so I don't know. I don't get it, but uh, neither do I. Is. I don't get it, but th- there is. Emory Jones is apparently one of the talks of the talks of the league. I guess. Whatever. Uh, speaking of coaches and, and changes, uh, South Carolina welcomes in a brand new coach, uh, Shane Beamer. He's got his work cut out for him, right? Um, this team was absolutely atrocious last year. This was one of the, you know, down the stretch of the season, that was one of the worst football teams I'd ever seen. Uh, when they played Georgia, that was probably, that would have been like if Maryville played Glencliff. Oh, what a comparison. If you, if you catch my drift. <laughs> and and if, if you're unfamiliar with this, if you're unfamiliar with this uh, reference, Maryville is one of the top teams in Tennessee perennially. And Glencliff is a team that, since they have their their shows on HBO about that. Okay, yeah, Alco. That's that's a yeah. good example too. Um, and Glencliff is a team that, well, they almost had to cancel their team because they didn't have enough players. Um, I, I know they they've had almost had to cancel their season on several occasions because they had l- right about thir- I think they came into our oh, I coached Hillwood uh, in Nashville uh, and Glencliff's in our same school district. They came into our game with fourteen players. Craig, 14 players. Yeah, and it's been it's, that way for a while, Corey, unfortunately. I know, it, and, and it's sad for them. So, But uh, that's what South Carolina reminded me of last year. This year, they've got some new energy. Uh, Shane Beamer is saying all the right things, doing all the right things. I don't know that that was the right hire. I think they could have done better, maybe. But they got Shane Beamer who has a good pedigree, a good family pedigree. Uh, his dad, I don't know if you've ever heard of him. His name's Frank Beamer. Um, resurrected, actually gave life to uh, Virginia Tech's program. I don't know that he resurrected it because that would mean they were great at one point before he got there. But he he was, he was kind of that guy that took uh, Virginia Tech and made them relevant. Shane is going to try to do the same at South Carolina. Uh, they love him in Columbia. Um, but uh, it's going to be a tough year for him. Luke Doty comes back at quarterback. They do have uh, the best running back, I think, in the league, uh, and uh, I think it's going to be something that is uh, is going to be something they hang their hat on um, for that. That's Kel- that's Kevin Harris uh, is one of the I think is the top running back in in the SEC uh, outside of Tank Bixby and Zamir White. Um, but I, I think you're, you're looking at uh, a, a team that's going to be woeful, a lot of positions, um, a lot of question marks. Luke Doty's a, a, a solid quarterback, but I don't know that he's SEC caliber. Um, you, you lose Shy Smith, um, and you had nothing else with him. That's going to be tough. Uh, Nick, Nick Muse, the tight end, he returned. That's, I guess, when that's your big shining news of returning talent on the offensive side of the ball, uh, Jalen Brooks, 
uh, Dakarion Joiner, six uh, seven EJ Jenkins, um, some guys that again like Tennessee, you're going to have to flip through your program and say, who? What do you make of this of this ball club? I, I know nothing about South Carolina. I don't even know where to start with this group. <laughs> they all they both lost a ton of guys. Uh, they are devoid of talent that they need to compete for division championship. So they're going to really mirror each other. It's going to be interesting to see uh, which of these teams uh, does better than the other. Uh, will it be Beamer? Will it be Hype? Well, that's a good question because uh, on paper, they're a lot alike. Exactly. They, they really are. And and uh, I would say – I don't want to spend too much time on South Carolina because we're going to have – we're, we're going to, I mean, we could spend a whole two hours trying to figure them out and, and we'll have Chris Clark from Gamecock central to help us do that here in the, uh, in, in the, on a future program. But um, the goal for them as well, uh, same with Tennessee is they just need to establish an identity, uh, get something out on paper, put a, put a competitive product out there and just see where the chips fall. Cause this is a weird league and you, know, you, you play well on the right day. You could slip up and beat a Georgia or a Florida. Uh, you know, you know, in Muschamp's last year, they they slipped up and actually, and in, in, uh, the second to last year for Muschamp, they slipped up and beat it. You know, Muschamp was on the verge of being fired that day, and they ended up upsetting Georgia. And what was a woeful day for Jake Fromm? You know, stuff like that can happen because it's a weird league. It's a competitive league. Um, but South Carolina is a team that needs to get back to that, get back to their Spurrier-type days. And and I, I guess on the bright side, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer on South Carolina. On the bright side, Shane Beamer knows because he was with Spurrier for, for a few seasons. He knows kind of what that's like and, and how to get there. Now he's just got to go out and do it. So, yes. I, I, Anything else? I mean, I, I agree with you on that. Um, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, if you if you if you wanted me to pick the East right now, I would probably pick. Um, I, I would definitely pick Tennessee above South Carolina uh, mm-hmm. in this. I would too. And uh, just because of the style of play, exactly. Uh, I, I just I don't. I'm like you. I don't really have that much faith in Beamer at this point. I don't know. He, he's not a proven commodity like Josh Heupel. So I have a little – I think that carries some weight. He's been there before. He knows what it is. I, I don't know, uh, you know, I don't know about Beamer when it comes to that point of it, uh, you know. Uh, and, and so I think Tennessee has a distinct advantage over South Carolina in that aspect of it. Absolutely. Well, uh, the other team in the other Columbia, um, that is Columbia, Missouri, the Missouri Tigers, uh Elijah Drinkwitz's first season uh, went about as I thought it would in a 10-game conference schedule, 5-5, and had a brutal uh, crossover uh, schedule with uh, starting off his tenure in the SEC against Alabama. Somebody had to do it, I guess, Um, but – you know, he, he learned a lot from that. Then, of course, the the loss to Tennessee uh, in in game two and then kind of improved some things. So – one of the things I really like about this Missouri team, and it's going to be one of the biggest keys, is you know their team that uh, they're the only other team in the East that I think does that does not have quarterback questions. I really am a big fan of Connor Basilic and or Basilak or however you say it. Again, names. I'm going to pronounce these names better um, as as we go. Names have never been my forte sometimes, but um, you know, but I really like Connor Basilic, and I really think. He played extremely well down the stretch of the season. I, I know uh, that a lot of things didn't go their way. They got thumped by Georgia, but of course Georgia was uh, somebody that was really good. Um, they, um, you know, lost to Mississippi State. They lost to Tennessee by twenty. They lost by twenty three to Tennessee. Uh, some of their losses were were big losses, but they're going to be a team that's going to bounce back. They beat LSU, uh, which. You know, you could take that as you will. LSU is still a storied program, so that's still a considered a great win, even though LSU struggled uh, last year. So, um, I'm a big fan of the of what Basilic can do. The question for me is, what do they do to replace 
Larry Roundtree. How do they replace the him? That's a good point, and and I agree with you. I I, I really liked what I saw out of kind of Azlack. Uh, uh, really got to see him a good bit against Tennessee, and I thought he played very well considering. And then, as you said, he continued to progress and got better and better. I think he has a very bright future uh, ahead of him. Um, and you're right about Roundtree. I mean, he was Mr. Reliable and has been mm-hmm. that way for many years For during his career at, at Missouri. He rushed for over 900 yards. It's going to be tough to replace that uh, Tyler Beatty. I'm not upset that he's leaving. I'm not yeah. upset to see him go. He was a thorn <laughs> in a lot of people's side. He was so – but he was so fun to watch. I, I really kind of appreciated his talent. Um, that was, you know, obviously tongue in cheek, but you know, Tyler Batty, is he, is he going to replicate that production? I mean, oh, that's a tough, tough ask to do. It is. And, you know, and, and Roundtree was extreme. I tell you, the guy was very underrated. I thought he was a very good running back. You know, he wasn't going to wow you with any, any of his skills. We're not going to just wow you and jump off the page. He was just a good, but he did everything. He did everything really well and he was really yeah. efficient with his carries and, and he and all of a sudden he breaks off these big runs and you're like, where did that come from? Right. Absolutely. So you're but right. I, I think to ease the sting of that, Craig, uh is gonna be Kiki Chisholm. Yeah. yeah he's a he's a pretty good I, I like what I saw out of him too. Had thirty five catches last year. Uh and you know, to be quite honest with you, uh, you know, he's he's going to have more catches than that uh, this coming season mm-hmm. because they're going to have to throw the ball more uh, with this running they, game. They will. And, uh, just a, a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, I think you're right on that. Uh, they did get an Ohio State transfer, uh, Mookie Cooper, uh, somebody that could come in and make an immediate outpack immediate impact. Uh, I, I was going to say he could play outside or inside, and I kind of said impact and outside at the same time. You know how you blend those two words. Um, but, yeah, he could play inside or outside. He's somebody that can move around different formations. I really like him. Uh, tight ends, Nico Hia and Messiah Swinson, the Messiah, uh, and, and David Parker Jr. and Logan Christopherson. Uh, I, I think you're going to see a lot of two tight end sets with this with this group. I think you're going to see some some things that they can try to do in the play action game where they uh, they're going to take advantage of what they don't have at running back and and try to establish enough of a run game so that they can throw. Um, you know, Barrett Bannister is somebody in, in the receiving core that that I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. There's going to be some guys that are going to be called on to make some production that weren't necessarily huge factors last year outside of Kiki Chisholm, but some guys that have some talent that could do it. And I think they're in the right system to do it. And I think they have the right signal caller to be able to do it. And I think that, you know, they're all growing together and they took a lot of lumps last year. Uh, And I think that's going to pay off well for them. I had them coming out of spring as the number two team in the East. I don't know where I stand on that, um, I, I'm still leaning on standing by that prediction. Um, after we talk to whoever we're going to talk to from Missouri, I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, I'll let you know exactly where I stand on that. But as of right now, I, f- I feel really good about that. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I feel really good about the production they have coming back. And I really feel good about what Drinkwitz was able to do after a disastrous 0 2 start, um, what he was able to do overall in his five and five season last year. Well, I, I don't agree with you on that pick. Uh, and, and the main reason I don't is because of their defense. Uh, it was, it was horrific uh, to say the least. Convince me, convince me why <laughs> do it. Do it. Talk, talk uh, yeah. me, talk you me know, out of it. Up, when you give up 408 yards per game and 32 points, it's uh your offense has got to do a lot to be in the game. Is, is that bad? Yes, is it that, was bad? that bad? It's, it's, it's going to be a it's going to be a shootout <laughs> league anyway. So, you know, they got a few guys uh, coming back. Uh, Trajan Jeffcoat had six sacks last year. He's coming back, and then uh, a really good transfer from Rice and Blaze Aldridge at linebacker, who had a terrific mm-hmm. career at, at Rice. But wow, there are a lot of question marks on that defense core. They're going to have to score many, many points in order to be able to uh, finish second in the East. 
and you know what team they remind me of? And st- st- uh, I know Steve's going to be like, man, uh, I don't know if I see that, but they remind me a lot of Ole Miss. You know, you have a really good quarterback uh, who's kind of underrated, a defense that can only go up. <laughs> and, you, you know, not necessarily the same. They're not set up in the same way where they have the 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 same type of playmakers, but they're the same type of team that has the capability of scoring a lot of points and is going to have to to kind of help uh, a def and a, uh, a somewhat improving defense. I think Ole Miss is in a lot better shape than Missouri yeah, as far true. as their their competitiveness in within their division, but they're very similar in kind of where they're at in their de- in their development. And and they both have uh, head coaches that are second year head coaches coming from uh, coming from group of five where, you know, Lane Kiffin was at FAU and Drinkwitz obviously was at App State. Uh, and they both had success on the group of five levels. Uh, Drinkwitz, I guess that was his first job. Uh, Lane Kiffin had kind of had a rough go at it in his previous head coaching stops. Uh, but uh, both, I think, are are very, very similar. Obviously, I would pick Ole Miss 10 times out of 10 over Missouri. Uh, but nonetheless, I think for Missouri, their defense can only get better. Uh, they can't get much worse. Uh, their offense is going to have to find a running game, and I think. Uh, lastly, we look at Ole, we, lastly, we don't look at Ole Miss because they're in the West, but lastly, we look at Vandy really quick because um, there's n- honestly there's not a lot to talk about with Vandy. But I'm 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 in the I'm leading the charge on the Ken Seals fan club. Uh, to me, I think when you look at Vanderbilt, they have to find an identity. You know, that was something they were lacking last year. I don't care about players. I don't care about you know, obviously Ken Seals is, is a quarterback that I think can come and do some some big noise or come and, and do some big things and, and have some good production, but they've got to find an identity and they've got to stick that identity offensively, same with defensively. You know, they've gotta they've gotta be a tough physical ball club. I think they need to get back to their James Franklin type. You know, punch you in the mouth, be extremely competitive, do a lot of the little things right, and just just come out and hit you. Um, and and I think that when they got away from that, they really really struggled. I thought Mason was going to bring that style with them. You saw glimpses of it, but in the end, it kind of it really fell apart. Um, Clark Lee comes in from Notre Dame. You know, say what you want to about uh, Notre Dame, their defenses were always tough. I really like the hire of Clark Lee. This was a it was going to be tough to hire anybody for this position. I, I think I don't know if it, it remains to be seen if it was a home run, but in, in the terms of Vandy, I do think it was a I do think it was a home run for them. I do think they got the right guy for it because he is a he is a Vandy guy. He's somebody that is going to take take on the challenge of, of building this team uh, literally from the ground up. Uh, their team overall. That can only get better. They were 0 and 9, had to cancel their last game with Georgia because they just didn't have enough players. Uh, but Ken Seals is somebody that I think is going to be really good for them. I think if they can find him some consistency and an, an offensive identity to kind of fall into, I think he will do a lot better than he did a year ago. Cam Johnson is coming back. He He's bringing 56 catches back to the fold. Uh, and of course, uh, Amir Abdur Rahim and Chris Pierce as well uh, are two or two other uh, receivers that can add some some pop and some flair on the in the receiving core. So uh, to me, Vandy, find an identity, play tough, and just compete and see where you're at. Right? Just don't finish last. That's your goal, Vandy. Do not finish last. You know, beat South Carolina. Make South Carolina finish last. Make Tennessee finish last. Make you know win the Tennessee game. Win the South Carolina game. Slip up and beat somebody you shouldn't, like Kentucky or or Florida or somebody like that. I don't think they'll beat Florida, but you know where I'm going with this. But yeah, just just if they find an identity, in a couple of years they could be somebody that's really really tough to play against. Like kind of what Kentucky was when they first hired, Bob, or I say Bob Stoops when they first hired Mark Stoops. They were a team that was grossly, grossly underachieving. They were a team that needed uh, needed an identity bad. And they found one with Mark Stoops. Vandy could find some similar success in, uh, in over the course of a few seasons with Clark Lee if they just do it. Well, I agree with you on on uh, Ken Seals. I really liked what I saw from him, and 
you know, he was really uh, handicapped last year by the running game. They didn't even they didn't even rush as a team for a thousand yards. That's hard to believe. Uh, only averaged three point oh one yards per carry. You have to do something in a running game to take the heat off of Seals. I think he's got some really good tools. I think he can be a really good quarterback for Vanderbilt, but they got to be able to run the ball. Corey, if they can't run the ball again, they're going to be. It's going to be hard for them to win football games. I, I agree with Clark Lee. I think it was a terrific hire. He's a he's a Nashville native, went to NBA, so he's got he's got the pedigree there. Uh, he knows the the right people to talk to in Nashville, et cetera. I think that was very important uh, in hiring. You're bringing in uh, guys that, that, you know, and you know this as well as I do, uh, Corey, they they brought in guys that really didn't recruit the Middle Tennessee area. And there were some players that went off to Georgia Tech, for example, that I thought very well, and Purdue, for example, that I thought, could very well play for Vanderbilt, and for whatever reason, they just didn't seem to recruit him. Uh, I think it, it's that's going to change this year. It's going to change. It already has changed. He's got a commitment from a, a kid from CPA, a linebacker, who's a good ball player. That's going to change. Um, but, you know, again, you there is a lot of holes in this team. Um, and it's just not something you're going to come back from that quickly. Oh, you were you were zero nine for a reason, Corey, and it just doesn't exactly. change overnight. And they were a woeful zero and nine. It's not like yeah. they were in yeah. a lot of ball games. I mean, they were getting fifty burgered every week. They were run off the field. I mean, they they had to, you know, thanks to Sarah Fuller, they weren't completely embarrassed. They they at least had one good positive storyline. Uh, for for that, and even that came with a lot of controversy. So, um, I, I think that when you look at Vanderbilt again, just get some positive momentum. So, you know, I'm I'm right there with you. But um, as we close into the to the end of the show, let's rapid fire this, and we can carry this over into our next episode. Anything going to surprise you, good or bad? Like, what's the what's the biggest thing that's going to surprise you? Um, I think the thing that could surprise me is. Um, if if Florida falls off um, more than let's say they don't finish second, um, what's that going to do? Uh, are the Gator fans going to be howling uh, because uh, you know they're not they're not competing with the Alabamas and Georgias and LSU's like they wanted to be when they hired Mullen. Uh, so I think a fall off of Florida, to me, could be a storyline to look at. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I'm, I'm with you right there. I think it's, uh, you know, Florida. Obviously, that's going to surprise me. I, I think they're, you know, they're going to trail off. But what's going to surprise me even more is actually of those bottom teams, you know, when you look at South Carolina, Tennessee, and Vandy, you know, I, I think that as much crap as Tennessee is getting, I think they're going to play a lot better than a lot of people are thinking. Um, you know, I, I think they're going to be the most competitive of that group. Um, I, I think Kentucky, a lot of people love Kentucky as their number two team in the East. I don't buy it just yet. They're going to have to show me. I, I think that they're going to surprise you in a, in a, in a negative way. I think they're going to fall off. I think they're going to be, you know, right there. Um, it's going to be, you know, I think it's going to be as of right now, Missouri, Florida, Tennessee, Kentucky, Vandy, South Carolina, I think is going to kind of be how it shakes out. And only because Vandy has a better quarterback than South Carolina in Ken Seals. Um, and I, that's how I think it's going to shake out. I'm 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 going to be pleasantly surprised with what Missouri's going to bring to the table, uh, and, and then of course, um, you know, Georgia is going to going to give me hopefully going to give me a lot of great news uh, this season, barring uh, injuries and whatnot. So uh, that's going to be uh, within the Georgia team. I think Adonai Mitchell, formerly of Cane Ridge High School here in Nashville. Uh, is going to surprise a lot of folks with his production. He's going to be somebody that that can find his way on the field. 
uh, for uh, for the Georgia Bulldogs. So I'm excited with that. Um, is there anybody that can compete with Georgia this year? Let's just go ahead and answer that question. This season, no. No. Next season, that's a discussion. But this season, if Georgia plays the way they're capable of playing, not a chance. No. They're going to run undefeated. And I don't leagues. know if if I'm more – I'm trying to figure out if I'm more impressed with Georgia as a team or it's more of the other teams in the East are that bad. It's a common, it's a combination. It's a combination of it. Um, You know, I think it's, you know, it's just kind of like that perfect storm of Georgia's finally loaded up with enough talent to kind of take down Alabama and the East is just, really down this year and they're going to take advantage of that and i don't care if the east has five glencliffs you win the east that's great go take down bama or go take down whoever wins the west i hope bama wins the west because that's who i want to take down right i want to take down Saban, get revenge on that but obviously i'll take whoever whoever comes out of the west uh, in, in that regard. So I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited for this season. I'm excited for this season of Beast of the East as we wrap up. Um, you know, we're, we are uh, live on Willis Digital Media. You can find us on all of our platforms, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitter on Periscope. Uh, you can find us on Twitch uh, if you follow the Palmcast. Um, then, of course, the, you'll, you'll be able to get the audio version um, on uh, the Believe Podcast Network, wherever you find your podcast, Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, to name a few. So, Craig, uh, we're going to wrap this thing up right here. We are uh, we are a touch over an hour, which we had a lot of excitement. We had a lot of cool things to talk about. Uh, we need one of those buzzers, like you know those PTI like counting clock <laughs> buzzers. We need one of those. That's yes, keep me on track, right? <laughs> so, uh, for Craig Ladd, I'm Corey Burton. This is Beast of the East. Uh, in our in our debut run here on Willis Digital Media, home of the Palmcast, uh, check us out. Uh, every we're gonna we're gonna come to you live uh, probably every Monday night as of right now. Check us check me out on SEC After Dark right here on the same channel, and you can also check me out on uh, the Believe in George Dogs podcast as well. So a lot of exciting things in the future. Uh, the Eastern Division is going to get the love that it deserves. Everyone was talking about the West, not here. We're the beast of the East. We are the Beast of the East on the on the uh, Believe Podcast Network, presented by BetOnline.ag. Thank you, and have a great week. We'll see you back here next time. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.